Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I will be interviewing Kimberly Young. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I really miss uh, going out during lunchtime when we were in grad school, we used to really go to so many different places um, uh, around town. So now in this COVID situation, it really has hindered um, a lot of things socially. Um, how have things been going for you since? Uh, definitely the same. I, you know, we're stuck at home and limiting your outings and you know, not seeing everybody as often as I'd like, um, trying, trying to, to do as much as we can. Yeah. How has it been affecting your family members? Um, well, you know, I have a, a young child, so, um, you know, we've been keeping her home as much as possible to make sure, you know, we're keeping her safe. Um, and she's, and I are used to going out and doing lots of different things in the community and, parks and different venues that are, you know, child friendly and we haven't been doing that. So she's probably getting bored with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of uh, kids probably getting bored with their parents right about now. Hopefully yeah. there'll be some, uh, something good coming to this new year because this present year has been definitely challenging in uh, mm-hmm. so many ways it appears. Right. Yeah. So you are a mental health counselor, a licensed mental health counselor. So I'm how you've worked with clients who have been diagnosed with depression. So what are some symptoms or signs that loved ones could recognize in their loved ones? Sure. Um, probably uh, a few of the things that are easy for other people to notice in someone with depression, um, just that they look like they may be sad all the time, um, uh, could be more irritable or easily frustrated, um, maybe different activities that you would do with this person. They no longer want to do them with you. Like if you always went out to lunch on Fridays at 12 and every Friday they tell you no that they've got something else going on that could be a that could be a sign um, as well um, if you notice uh, you know the person having trouble with sleep either sleeping too much or not seeming to be able to get enough sleep um, that's definitely another uh, a sign um, weight loss and weight gain you know appetite changes um, those are all definitely things that um, that you'll notice um, in a loved one or a friend um, that's that's struggling with depression. Yeah. So during this, especially during this time, over the last nine months at least, well, I guess eight months, seven, eight months um, yeah. since this lockdown, do you think that could also uh, enhance some symptoms uh, by you know, a lot of people feeling locked into their homes and not being able to do some things that they would normally do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because we, we are, uh, I think for the most part, we're social people. Um, and, you know, we like that human contact and human interaction with others. So um, not having that readily available um, certainly can enhance any of those depressive feelings that a person may have um, because they feel like, you know, they're not going to be able to to get out and do and um, get the connections with others that maybe typically help them through difficult times. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for uh, people, some things they could do that could make them feel not so, um, I guess, confined to their homes within reason? Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, you just, we encourage people to, you know, reach out to your family and friends um, as much as possible through phone calls, um, video chats. Um, I know I have some some coworkers or colleagues and friends that are doing Zoom calls with friends and family and um, FaceTime, you know, all of those things really can help, help you feel a little more connected to other people and, and less isolated. Yeah. So what's the youngest age you've worked with a client who has been diagnosed with a depressive disorder? Oh my goodness. Um, um, uh, I want to say five, but you know, at five, it tends to be a little bit more adjustment disorder unless, you know, a major depression, um, early teens, maybe 13, 14, for sure. Um, <clears throat> right. So what are some things that you normally, some techniques that you normally do that helps? Uh, I know medication is an option sometimes, uh, but I know not everyone would, you know, wants to take medication, sure. but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, definitely uh, finding the right fit for a therapist is a great way, a great start, um, especially if it's someone who's a little hesitant to medication. Um, you know, getting to know a person, um, you know, helping them identify. Uh, I like to focus a lot on um, leisure interests, recreational interests, and utilizing that as a coping skill. You know, what's something you can get out and get a little bit more involved in um, uh, relaxation techniques, um, kind of along the lines of yoga and meditation, anything to kind of calm the mind, calm the body. Um, some people really like kind of like schoolwork. Um, so worksheets, <laughs> books to read, you know, things like that to motivate them um, and just give them other ideas of, of things to draw upon. Um, maybe interests that they've had in the past that they've forgotten about. Um, I know a lot of people are interested in, um, you know, adult coloring books. Have you heard of those? Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely a very relaxing activity. Um, and a lot of people of varying ages um, are interested in it. And um, I've even heard people have a color, they call it a coloring Bible. So they have a Bible with, some different things in it that you can doodle on and color on. So there's lots of different um, things like that out there, you know, that can be helpful. Yeah. It sounds like you really tailor 
um, your what you do with the client according to that individual and not necessarily like a blanket thing that you do. Yes, I definitely. Um, I think it's really important to identify what that specific person likes, what their interests are, dislikes. So they really feel like you're more a part of or that you care about them as a person and helping them get through the situation and not just throwing something at them that you read out of a book that may or may not apply to them, but really taking part to, to who they are. Yes. So do you think that some people who have been diagnosed with depression or who have depression and undiagnosed, could it be sometimes a seasonal thing that would bring on those depressive symptoms as well? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right now, like you've mentioned before, during this, this time, this COVID time this year, the pandemic, um, had this not happened, you know, some people out there with depression may not have ever gotten depression. Um, so you never know uh, what kinds of environmental things um, can definitely trigger that in a person. Um, and, uh, you know, for a lot of people too, seasonal is uh, time of year. You know, the, the, the time of year where it's a little darker out, a little colder out, that can be um, something that'll trigger that in someone as well. Yeah, because I know the holiday season is yeah, upon us. And mm-hmm. uh, especially Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, they they seem to be more family oriented uh, holidays. So when someone who is not necessarily with their families, um, especially if they live in a different state or city and they can't, you know, readily um, visit them as much as they would like, it seems like that would definitely be a challenging time. Definitely. Um, it definitely is, especially um, this year in particular, I would say for people, if you have family out of state, maybe you are planning a trip and now you've canceled that trip because of maybe travel restrictions or your own health or the family that you were going to go visit their health. Um, so it's definitely this year, I think maybe a little harder for a lot of people that may not have you know, ever experienced something like this before. Yeah. So if someone is feeling sad or have some of those symptoms that you listed uh, earlier, what should they do if they feel that way? Um, I always, you know, encourage people to reach out to someone. Um, you know, I'm always cautious and I say, you know, find you a physician to talk to, uh, find a therapist to talk to. But if you're really not comfortable going all the way there yet, make sure you're talking to a close friend or a family member, um, maybe a pastor at your church, um, someone that you feel that you can trust, that you can talk to about things um, before they escalate and get to a point where you definitely need the physician and you need to be in the hospital or something like that. Um, so reach out to whoever your, your close people are um, and let them help help guide you yeah so you you saying that it seems like a good support system is uh should is advantageous as well definitely most definitely yes um you know there's a lot of people 
get, get a little nervous going to the doctor. So at least, you know, having a friend to talk to about things and maybe they, I don't know right now with COVID, but be able to, to go with you to the appointment. Maybe they can't go inside the building and wait in the waiting room, but they can sit in the car and wait for you. Um, just having that, that extra support. So um, it's not as difficult to make that phone call or make that appointment to see a physician or um, a therapist um, that, you know, somebody else is in your corner with you. Right. So are all people who may be diagnosed with depression, are they suicidal? Not everyone is, no. Um, uh, Some people are able to manage the depression and it doesn't get to that extreme point of feeling extreme hopelessness and that, you know, living is not an option for them. Um, Definitely if you, if a person is at that point where they're really contemplating ending their life, um, you have to, that's the time when you have to be seen by a physician and going to an emergency room. Um, you can still definitely take a family member, a friend with you, but you really can't by step, um, bypass that step to see a doctor or a hospital. Yes. And I know cultural, there are some things that affects therapy cultural wise. Um, how in during your time in the, this uh, profession in the mental health profession, um, how do you see uh, cultural norms uh, played out within therapy? Yeah, it it definitely does play a, a role. Um, typically, we see more more women willing to seek therapy over men, um, and then um, there definitely is the cultural. Um, Asian cultures aren't you know, don't typically like to, to reach out for therapy. Um, sometimes, uh, it's Hispanic, uh, people in the Hispanic culture, um, don't tend to want to reach out and therapy for therapy as well. Um, so definitely, uh, culture does play a heavy piece, um, in whether or not someone is willing to, to ask for help. Yeah. And uh, African-Americans, too, I would say as well. Yes. Yeah, there's yes. so many. Um, so do you think like I believe that some TV shows has helped people become more open to therapy? Because I love this uh, TV show called The Sopranos and they've, um, you know, it's reruns now, but the main character, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the main character, um, Tony, he was a gangster and he was associated with the mob and what have you, but he was seeing a therapist and some yeah. other shows as well. How do you think? Have you seen any of them? <laughs> I have. I have seen that Sopranos episodes um, that you were talking about. It does seem a little off, doesn't it? For, yeah. for a gangster to be seeing a therapist, but definitely is a, a way to help break barriers for people. And I mean, if he can go see a therapist, so can you. <laughs> you know, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, there are several shows I've noticed uh, the, over the last uh, decade or so that made therapy more of the end thing. Because if we have this stigma in about something and don't really touch on it, uh, society is definitely affected by so many different things. But I'm really glad that there have been shows that have touched on therapy because 
I know the rates. I know you probably know some rates of suicide and all these different things that happen as a result of someone not being not reaching out for help, even, um, you know, people who may not even be struggling with depression, but just uh, pressure in general that could, you know, Mm -hmm. lead to depression, of course, but just being able to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. So what got you into the field of med- what what made you go in that direction? Oh my that that's a question. Um so uh when I was in college and uh for my bachelor's degree I had to find a practicum experience and you know I just had all these ideas and trying to find a place. Well, my placement happened to be at a psychiatric facility and boy, um, it was an eye opener. Um, I learned so much and, um, I really, that, that was it for me. Um, I knew that I really wanted to work in that area. Um, you know, I'd done some volunteer stuff with mental health. I'd nursing home, um, pediatric hospital, rehab facilities and after experience on a little bit of all of them, you know, mental health just really felt like my niche, the place that that was going to work for me. Wow. So yeah, that, that was that, was there a click, some sort of click that happened? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just, um, it was so new to me. I had no experience whatsoever in it when I, when I walked in my first day, um, but it just was so interesting to me to find out all these different things um, that people were experiencing in life. Um, and the other therapist and the nursing staff were just so warm and welcoming and just eager to share their knowledge um, with me as a student. And that really helped, um, that really helped me, you know, feel confident at wanting to go this route for my career. Yeah. So how does it make you feel you're a therapist or professional? How does it make you feel when you see a client who had come in initially and how they were, they needed help? And then throughout the therapeutic process, maybe three months in or six months in, you see progress in within that person. How does that make you feel? Oh, um, it's a lot of pride. Um, you, I just feel so good to see. Um, it's almost like a mama, a mama bird and their baby bird, you know, that they, that, you know, they found their wings and they learn how to fly. And it's, it's just an overwhelming, positive uh, feeling. Um, it's, it's uplifting for me um, just to see the, the work that they've put into making changes um, to help themselves feel better. And um, then seeing them, implement it and succeed, um, in life. Um, it's just very rewarding to yeah. see. Yeah. So who has been the most influential person in your life? Oh, um, I would probably, I would have to say my parents, um, at an early, at a young age, they were always very supportive and, and really pushing, um, uh, my, my siblings and I to, figure out who we are, what we wanted, and just to do whatever it took to get there. Um, there was nothing too difficult, no, <laughs> no mountain too high for us to climb. 
they always told us that we could do it. Um, and that really, that really helps, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you have no clue <laughs> about anything, um, to have someone telling you, no matter what you do, it's going to be okay. And you're going to be good at it. You know, those are, those are good things to have. Wow. This sounds like really like a really solid foundation to have, uh, especially mm-hmm. you knowing you've been in the field for a while and you see, I'm sure, opposite and some really horrible situations. That sounds like, um, and even in those horrible situations, you work with clients who have turned things around. So um, that's that's really good to hear that you had that solid yeah. foundation. Yeah, I, I I do consider myself very lucky um, at the the support and and the upbringing that I had. I definitely haven't seen that, you know, in every client I've ever worked with. Um, but you're right. Them being able to overcome that and still reach their goals is, is, um, is just amazing to see. Yeah. So how many siblings do you have? I have two. I have a sister and a brother. And where do you uh, fall? Are you the youngest, middle, oldest? I'm the oldest. <laughs> So that's the mama bear. <laughs> I am the mama bear of of the the children. <laughs> They're not children anymore, but yeah, yeah, I have always been um kind of a caretaker, I guess, from an early age, and always there to help guide them along. And so I guess I've always been a therapist, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I believe like when someone accomplishes something or puts them felt put put themselves through something like school. You had to go to school for multiple years and internship and licensure tests. You just had to put yourself through the rigors. So in life, what, even growing up as a kid, what was it that you have had to overcome? Because no matter how good of a situation we find ourselves in, you have a good family support system, but what do you think you had to overcome in life? Because even being bullied, you know, people have to overcome that. So what was it that you had to overcome? Um, when I was younger, um, you know, as a child, elementary school, even junior high, I was very, very shy, extremely shy. Um, you know, talking to other people just was not something I like to do. <laughs> and you have to, you have to like talking to be a therapist. Um, and it didn't, it took me to high school to really find my voice, find my ability to speak up, um, you know, share in class discussions. I was the one hiding behind whoever, so I wouldn't get called on. Um, but uh, I took a acting class in high school and that really helped uh, bring me out of my shell and, you know, help me find my voice to, to speak in front of people. Wow. I wouldn't have known that. I would have never mm-hmm. known that. So you, why do you think you were so shy? I don't know. I, I, I it just, uh, I shouldn't have been cause I had so much support and everything at home and I had some wonderful friends over the years, um, but I, I was very shy in school. Um, 
and then, you know, the one acting class and then I auditioned for the leads for every play after that. So they unlocked a monster, I guess, in some respect. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you choose acting? That was a pretty bold step for someone who is shy. Mm -hmm. In all honesty, I think it was a class that was given to me. I didn't pick it. I think I just got put in it. <laughs> and I guess I made the most of it and it worked out well for me. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's wow. That's amazing. So did you play any sports in school as well? Or did you do anything else? I did cheerleading in high school. Um, does that count as a sport? Yeah, you would have to <laughs> cheer, jump, and I'm sure. Yeah. So I guess acting helped me to be able to do that. Oh, so you did the cheerleading after the acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. So, um, so you working, you know, being able to work with people who, you know, had depression, has there been any memorable moments that you were able to help someone when it seemed as though there was, you couldn't do anything or seemed as though nothing would change? Yeah, um, there's been different people over the years for sure. Um, you know, I'm thinking of a couple of teenagers that I had. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one teenager in particular, very much uh, like me, a lot, you know, very shy. Um, school was very difficult for them. They also had a lot of anxiety um, as well as the depression. Um and they also were able to get to the point of loving school, making friends, speaking up in class, um, graduated high school, and are, they're now in college. Um, wow. And that was, uh, that was a wonderful thing to see. Um, you know, there's a lot of family dynamics with them, um, being raised by a grandparent, you know, so there was a lot of, a lot of different um, things they were going through. Um, so it was, it was really good, really good to see. Wow. So how does it, you mentioned that, how do, how does it, well, how have you been to, been able to relate to clients who were, who are, or were shy because you've experienced that now, not everything you've experienced when you are helping someone, of course, but you being able to experience it firsthand, how does that help you relate to clients? I really think um, it sure, it, it really helps make a, a connection. Um, I think, you know, you, we definitely don't have to experience everything in life that we uh, set out to help our, our clients with, but when we have similarities, it kind of brings you to a more of an even playing field. And you can be like, yeah, that makes sense to me because I've been there before. And I know what that feels like to walk into that room with all those people and know nobody and be able to walk in there and have a conversation with someone and be okay. Yeah, that definitely sounds like it gives you some kudos with those uh, clients you work with. Mm -hmm. it, it does definitely does yeah so how does it work in your household you have a husband who's a therapist as well how does that work 
<laughs> Therapy every day. No. <laughs> um, one of the great things I think that for us it is, is we understand what each other's day may look like. Um, uh, you know, and we, we know if um, it's been a rough day as far as, you know, working with clients that have had some really serious stuff going on and we can be there to support each other in that, that today may have been a really hard day and I can be that support for him or he can be for me. Um, we can bounce ideas off of each other as well. Like, you know, what's something you've ever done with, you know, uh, a teenager with depression, um, with no family support or whatever. Um, so we've definitely done that where we've kind of bounced general ideas off of each other to, to garner more support to utilize with our clients. Um, it also helps when you're out in public um, and a client comes up to speak to you. Um, and when you don't introduce them to your spouse, they know why, and they just walk off <laughs> to, um, you know, to continue honoring that confidentiality piece. Um, and we, we understand that about each other. Um, and we've, my husband and I both have had that where someone will come up to us and start talking to us in public. And you just kind of get this feeling like this is meant to be a private thing and I'll walk off or he'll walk off. Um, so it's nice that we know that about each other. Yeah. Um, and we can understand that and appreciate that. Yeah. So how do you shield yourself from being from burnout? Because this profession, the mental health profession, is definitely a tough profession in that you are seeing things and hearing about things that's taxing to people and you see the effects of the clients who you're helping. How do you prevent burnout? You know, um, a lot of the things that, you know, we are telling our clients to do to manage stress um, are things that, that I utilize them for myself to, um, you know, relaxation or yoga, um, any kind of exercise program, or even the adult coloring books work nice too for me, um, just as a way to de-stress, um, and reaching out to my friends and my peers, whether it be to talk to a peer about, you know, needing some support with what I'm doing with clients or, just to say, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while and it would be nice to catch up and just have a few laughs. And, and that's always nice, you know, to help relieve stress. Yeah, because I, I don't know the exact numbers, but there is definitely a lot of burnout. And even helping people is like you have to, when you know you've been on an airplane before, before you take off, they go through this spiel of, you know, what to do in case something happens. And mm. they always say if something does happen, if there's a crisis in somebody's life or within the plane, you are to save yourself first so that you can save them. So put on your face mask, your um, oxygen mask first and then you will have mm -hmm. the strength to help someone else. But if you don't have your oxygen mask on and you go out to help someone, you could sacrifice yourself. So the mental health profession is, is a sacrifice, but not 
a sacrifice detrimental to the individual themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. So that is uh, excellent that you've been doing the work that you've been doing. Are you currently working on anything uh, in particular? Um, well, right now I'm a, I'm a full-time mom to a little one. Uh Um, and I'm gathering, um, I'm actually just trying to figure out, um, which realm of therapy I want to return to, um, when I return back to work and probably the next year, um, you know, private practice is not, uh, isn't, I haven't done that yet. So that's something that looks intriguing to me. Um, or, you know, I, I haven't worked inside a hospital in a while. Um, and I always enjoyed that work as well. So maybe returning to that and um, just trying to, to figure out uh, which realm I want to return to and anything new I want to try. Um, yeah, yeah. So do you have a specific age range that, you've, that you feel more comfortable with? I have always loved working with children and adolescents. Um, and I still feel like that's probably my favorite area. Um, I kind of, uh, in, in a, a previous job was kind of thrust upon young children. And at the time I was like, Oh, I don't know about this. Um, but the more I think about it since I've been off, I think I would really like to return to working with those young children, young elementary ages, um, you know, I've met a lot of people um, being home full time with children with special needs. And I think I would really like to work with those families. Okay. So working with kids, that sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do you have any particular training um, that you've, you've done over the years that you really appreciated uh, that gave you some information about depression or anything else? Uh, definitely. Um, we have, um, in one of the hospitals I worked for, uh, we had monthly trainings by, um, a psychiatrist and every month was some wonderful knowledge about different things, whether it be depression or other, um, mental health stuff that was always great stuff. Um, I've done some training with, um, infant mental health and that, um, was very interesting. And that's an area I'd like to expand on. I'd like to, to get, um, the certification training for, um, the DSM for the young ones, the DC zero to three training. Um, that's kind of on my wish list. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It sounds like it's coming up soon. Uh, time really flies. So a year from now we'll be here before we know it. Exactly. Yeah. So, what valuable, what's, what's your one to grow on as we end this, uh, this interview? What's your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Oh, um, just wanting people to know that you, you can achieve your goals. You can achieve anything you can achieve, uh, letting depression go and not letting depression take over you. Um, There are resources out there to help with that. 
Um, so many times people don't realize how much their family and friends want to be that support and want to offer help. And they really do. And I think if I could just get everyone to see how much, how many people in their, in their world care about them, um, I think it would really help a lot of people if they could see that. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.